Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Reasons to be Cheerful with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd. Hello. I'm reunited with you. This, this is you, been you, too long. It has. You're listening to a beautiful moment because uh, although you've been hearing the podcast over yeah. the past few weeks, Ed and I haven't seen each other. No, this I is know. Our first time being in the same room for a month. I know. It was quite an emotional reunion. It really I brought was. you some chocolate chip cookies. I gave you a big hug even yeah. though I've got the lurgy. Two hugs we actually had. Yeah, that's that's how emotional the moment I know, was. It was really emotional. I missed you. Yeah, so the last time we saw each other was uh, was for the live shows in Edinburgh, and then we've had our summer break. So first day of the new term, what did you do on your holidays? Um, I was in Italy and we had a nice time, got away from it all, didn't take my phone, uh, which is a sort of practice I used to have as a leader and I've now restarted. Can we, can we talk about the object you've brought with you today then? Yes. I mean, Ed, it, it, it seems to me that you've been to the British Museum and asked to loan one of their valuable artifacts. And I found a very old Blackberry, which I, <laughs> uh, um, which I, got from from just like somewhere it was somewhere hidden in the attic you look like a time traveler with that thing got old emails from gordon brown on it actually (laughs) Uh, it's developed a twitch since looking at those uh, no i have not no i have not it's very very emotional it was quite nice to have sort of detox from social media and all that so how are you finding it because we've said before uh, i i have to if i get up for a wee in the night i have to look at twitter so you're not no no i do think i think the the sort of um the gold standard is Ken Clark, right? He doesn't have a phone, mobile phone at all. Um, and so it's like very difficult to get hold of him. Right. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to meet the gold standard. You know, and there is a bit of a trend here about people are trying to, smart designers are now trying to design dumb phones, as they're calling them, you know, which can sort of just do text and phoning, but not anything else. Because I've know? said this to Ed, so you've, you've found this old Blackberry. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know how long. I mean, it looks like it's on its last legs. No, I think it's sort of 
but it'd been resuscitated. It's 13 years old or something, can, only 15 years old. But you can get these phones for, like, I know people of my parents' generation often like a very simple phone with big buttons. Have you not considered you, getting one of those? The thing about Blackberries, you can text from it. Ah. Uh, you see what I mean? Yes. Anyway, but I think this is a sort of experiment and it may all be like a holiday resolution which just disappears, but let's see. But you've enjoyed it so far. I have, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, I would have liked to have talked to you. but Not even a postcard. Nary, ha- nary a uh, postcard. I did bring a chocolate chip cookie. And uh, how was your holiday? Well, I was uh, I was in Edinburgh for a lot of it. So after we did our live shows up there, I stayed up there because my wife was doing a show at the Fringe Festival. And she ended up on being on the Best Newcomer list. I know, it's brilliant. So what are we talking about on the episode then this week? So we're talking about food waste and... It's just astonishing, as we'll hear from our guests, about the amount of food that is wasted, both nationally and globally. Uh, We'll be talking about what the solutions are to this. Uh, And if you think about it, you know, you've got a planet which is growing in terms of the number of people on it. You've got massive issues of climate change, massive issues of food poverty. If there's all this food going to waste, there must be something better we can do. And so we've got two great guests to talk about it. I very rarely leave anything on my plate. Well, that's good. Yeah. You're making your own contribution. Absolutely. But what about your fridge? Yeah, that's that's a less of a good picture. Exactly. Really. Well, yeah. we'll be talking about your fridge. Uh, we'll also be joined by a comedian who I'm so excited to have on. He's really funny. He's on a, a Netflix 15-minute special. Um, you'll also see him cropping up on telly a lot. He's really good. Phil Wang will be joining us to pitch ideas which could be potential reasons to be cheerful. So let's do our reasons to be cheerful then. Yeah, so my reason to be cheerful is seeing you again. Oh, stop it! I am, I am. No, I'm. I've, I like. You know, I'm. I, I missed you, and uh, I missed missed our sort of um, liaison. Me too, but because you were on your digital detox, yeah, I tweet I know, you. I, I couldn't know. get hold of you. I know. Sorry I was about that. A little that. upset that you didn't ask me to come to Italy with oh, you. Sorry about <laughs> that. George Ezra all over again. Uh, he was in Italy actually as well. <laughs> um, uh, what about you? What's your reason to be cheerful? Uh, my reason to be cheerful that in, in uh, an ongoing series of people I've interviewed for my Beatles show. So you remember a while ago I mentioned I'd interviewed Michael Palin about his love of the Beatles, yes. and then I'd interviewed Ozzy Osbourne this morning. I interviewed the man who used to be the Beatles hairdresser. Wow. A guy called Leslie Cavendish. Wow. Yeah, he um he he started off cutting Paul McCartney's hair and, the and their Beatles, haircuts are very famous. Yeah, and the other Beatles liked it so much that they, you know, they all eventually would How let him fantastic. do that. Yeah, and he was great and he told some fantastic stories. Does he still cut hair? He he doesn't actually he makes a living. He's he's written a book about his time as the Beatles hairdresser right. and he makes a living going around Beatles conventions answering questions and not fans. cutting people's hair not, in a Beatles style. No, I mean you could you could do probably could uh, yeah, maybe, make more than you could from the selfies well maybe i could maybe i could ask him to you know give me a a mop top yeah <laughs> have you ever have you ever had long hair no you've had long hair i have i've been a right hippie at, yeah. uh, various times but he was great and he told a story about um he, he was cutting the hair of a journalist and he didn't smell a rat. And the journalist was just saying, so the heads of hair the Beatles have then, you know, who who has the best hair? He said, they all have pretty good hair, really. You know, Paul, George, Ringo, all quite... John's hair's a bit thinner. And then the journalist went and ran this big story, uh, which was the Beatles hairdresser says, John Lennon is going bald. Oh, my God. And he had to uh, he had to deal with a very angry John oh Lennon on the, other end of the phone. Well, he sounds great. Yeah, he was really good. So that's my reason to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd. 
We're joined by Lindsay Boswell, who is Chief Executive of Fairshare, and Sasha Celestial-One, who's co-founder of Olio, the world's first food-sharing app. Hello, both. Thank you for joining us. Hi. Um, can, we, can we start by uh, asking you, not a small question, but can you, can you contextualise for us the scale of food waste, first in the UK and then what the picture is globally? In total terms, um, one third of all food in the United Kingdom is wasted. One so third? One third of all food, it's, which is a mad number. When you then boil that down uh, even further, um, there is a part of it, uh, and it's around about 270,000 tonnes, which is equivalent of 10 meals for every person in the country, man, woman and child, not houses. 10 meals a year. 10, 10 meals per person per year. So 650 what? million meals worth is uh, technically classified as yummy. It's in date, it's fit to be retailed, it's fit to be sold, and it's fantastic food. And vast majority of that goes to waste. 650 million meals. Mm. It's the same globally, a third. Um, some countries better than others, but for the most part, between 33 and 50% of all food produced globally goes to waste. And then meanwhile, nearly a billion people go to bed hungry every night. So is this huge sense of, you know, too much on the one hand and just not enough where it needs to be on the other hand. So as a planet, if we eliminated food waste and it was all eaten, theoretically, nobody goes hungry. And also the climate effects and mm. of, of all this excess yeah. production. 74% of deforestation is to grow food. One third of all food doesn't feed people. Wow. 25% of the world's fresh yeah. water supply goes to grow food that's never eaten. Every which way you look at it, it's a massive inefficiency. Massive problem. And then there's the opportunity cost as well. Imagine if all of those resources, labor, land, et cetera, were re-diverted to something that's more beneficial than growing food no one ever eats. It's just, for me, I found, when I found out with, about the scale, I was horrified. It's horrific. Can, can we talk about some of the reasons behind it? So this isn't just... People, Your fridge. Well, I do think, like, <laughs> is it just people like me who buy too much food and then we can only follow recipes? We don't know what to do with it. Is it people worrying about sell-by Yeah, days? where are the bits or, in yeah, the chain? Yeah, yeah. Or is it sort of an industrial level? Where, where's it happening? And, and the answer is yes. Because, right, so it's because, my fault. <laughs> no, it's all, right, so four of us sat around this table. Yeah. 50% of the food waste in the UK is wasted at the household level. Right. Wow. Tw wow. 22% of the weekly grocery shop is wasted by each household. The so, equivalent of a damn good holiday. Yeah. Can I just tell you, you guys are pretty good at this. <laughs> <laughs> and if you think about... I mean, they've got the job already, <laughs> as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah. The thing is, is that we live in a globalized food supply system. So when I buy a packet of blueberries, 25% of which I don't eat, yeah. that is food that was exported or imported from somewhere else. And those farmers then have to grow extra crops. And those crops also have to meet certain cosmetic standards to be accepted by the supermarkets. And there's this whole sort of butterfly effect um, or blueberry effect um, that, in my opinion, a lot of ways, you know, it does sort of stem with the ultimate person who's eating that food. So 50% of it's at the household yeah. level. Where, and, where's and, the and rest so, of it? Well, in the food industry. And the food industry is really, really good at making a loud noise, at pointing at us, the consumer. Mm. And we are pretty bad, but, but we're only, totally we're only half of the problem. the problem, yeah. But there are 65 million individual problems yeah. to try and solve. Yeah. And whereas our focus is very much on saying there are scalable solutions within the food industry because it's, it's, it's a big beast. And actually, if you start to correct the problems within that big beast, then, then actually you can make a, make a real difference. The problem fundamentally comes down to supply and demand. That's that's at the heart of it. Now, what I mean by that is the food industry believes, and I think they might be right here, 
that if you go into one supermarket and you want a particular product um, and there's another supermarket just across the road and they and they haven't got the product you want, you'll walk out and you'll go to their rival. Strawberries. And so therefore they want the shelves full all the time. And that's resulted in um, yeah, strawberries in February um, and all sorts of weird products that you know you can you end up seeing and um so Ed, if you know if, if you're one of the supermarkets and i'm a pie manufacturer uh, you want me to supply you with a hundred thousand pies a day yeah um so i'm delighted i've just won this amazing contract because it's worth a lot of money to me so i've gone and built a factory on the basis of that um and uh, and actually the mechanical engineers who built my pie making um, machinery uh, the optimum level of that running might not be exactly 100,000 pies a day. So already I'm probably producing slightly more pies because it doesn't make business sense to switch my machines off. But equally, you're measuring me on my ability to give you 100,000 perfect uh, pies on time. And it makes good business sense in order to retain you, you as my biggest customer that actually I aim off slightly, just in case, I don't know. More, a, you breathe more. Yeah. So like a margin of error. A margin of error. the perfect pies. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, one of the lorries might crash, and yeah. I've got to put a replacement in. There might be a snow, you know, there might be a terrorist incident. Uh, one of the uh, ovens might be too hot, you know, and they all come out black. There are thousands and thousands of reasons. Ed isn't going to say yes to an imperfect pie. Definitely not. No, no, no I am, I am, sorry. <laughs> no, in wrong this answer. scenario. Wrong answer. Yeah. Oh, right, 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 okay. <laughs> Send that pie back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, as the pie manufacturer, I'm aiming off, but I'm doing the same to my meat supplier and I'm doing the same to my gravy supplier and I'm oh, doing the I same see. to my pastry supplier. So everyone's Everyone produces to excess. And you don't want to have an empty shelf where you're selling pies either. So there's this sort of built-in excess at every single stage. And the pies might be round when they could be square, which means all the pie. You know, there's all just kind of what, things that collectively add up to a massive waste of resources. But but also your point is that every supermarket's got to do this uh, so that they, or every shop. Well, the genie's out of the bottle. I mean, uh, we, we should be in a place where we go, do you know what? It's February. There are no strawberries. But you know that the rival down the road is going to go, no, we can get the Spanish. Uh, and why uh, does that make it worse? Because if people don't buy the strawberries or... or, or well, if because we're so used season, to the choice, right? Because we need everything all the time. If, and also, now. if you're growing... Yeah. Out of season, then you have to go, you know, you have to import that from further away, right. which me introduces longer sort of periods between origination right. and consumption, which means there's more steps or possibility for um, things to perish along the way. Do, do, this is probably a kind of impossible question to answer, but do we know whether this problem has got worse over time? Do we know whether other countries do it better than us? Uh, it, it, there's there's some research come, came out relatively recently um, that it is getting worse. Yeah. And that's not, from the government's own organisation. But if that it was a third this. is wasted now, do we, we? Can you? You can't quantify what it was like twenty, thirty, forty years ago. If you go back fifty years ago, yeah. like a generation ago, um, the idea of wasting food was completely taboo, um, and that's sort of post-war mentality. Yeah. I think it's become much more normalised now, and that our current generation, you know, um, over the last twenty, thirty years, expects convenience, choice, variety, instantly. At all times. And also, there's a lot of research to show that the price of food as part of the average household budget has decreased significantly. So if you can buy a banana for 12p, you know, it's hard to get too financially attached to that for the average person. Um, so if it goes brown in the fruit bowl, well, it looked right. nice, right? But meanwhile, it was imported from the other side of the planet. Um, 
Yeah. Food's cheap for a lot of people. For many people, the 8 million people who are living on the breadline, literally, it's not cheap, but it has decreased. So that all sounds pretty bad. <laughs> people need to be more like my mother-in-law. Any, anything left over, it goes into a frittata. Frittatas could be part of the solution. I, I except for strawberries and a frittata, you know. I think she would, she would do it. Everyone, yeah, yeah. I think it needs to. Sorry, I'm just thinking out loud here. But eating stra- strawberries in February needs to be yeah. taboo. How do you change that mentality, though? Like you're saying, consumers are so used to having everything like what they want when they want it, and you're asking people to sort of think about this stuff more and change their habits and think about what's seasonal well i think i think more and more and more people are taking those individual choices yeah um whether that's a you know whether that's a choice that's open to everybody in society is a is, is a moot yeah. point yeah. um but you're also saying target the manufacturers and the producers yeah i mean that well that, that's 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 where the real real um bulk surplus mm. exists and and that's where seismic change can really happen. And what, what, so I think we, this is good, but we're on to sort of the uh, sunny uplands here of the solutions. Yeah. What, t- tell us, uh, tell us a bit about what you think the solutions can be, Lindsay, and then it would be good to hear from Sasha as well. Uh, I haven't met a single person. I've, I've been doing this job for eight years. I haven't met a single person in the food industry um, that doesn't believe that good quality food should be made available to food feed people and if they've got surplus they should do that with it um we've grown slowly and incrementally over time just um, say a bit about what fair share does just because it'll... yeah so we, we we're we're a redistribution charity um where we try and present the food industry because food industry is big ugly and incredibly impatient so it moves at amazing pace and speed and then the voluntary sector the charities are thousands and thousands of little small groups all who want little bit of a little bit of food um and and trying to match those two is very difficult so we operate across the whole of the uk we're a uk only organization but we have sister organizations pretty much in every country around the world and uh what it looks like is we have 21 warehouses in in the uk all manned by armies of incredible volunteers and we get the food industry to give us the food we then sort out when we've got as I saw this morning, um, five, six pallets worth of, um, of melons from Spain. And we'll work out which of the breakfast clubs, which of the domestic violence refuges, which of the mental health right. uh, homes, et cetera, et cetera, uh, will want that product. Uh, and we'll put an order together for them. Uh, we'll ring them up, say, this is what we've got for you. And we will then save those organizations money. Uh, because they are otherwise have to go out and buy that food. And the supermarket's giving you the melons because. Uh, because we're finally beginning to get so they they can't use them for some reason they, well they, they may be too yellow they may right, be too okay. pointy okay or they may just be that actually the melon supplier has sent more melons yeah. in in order to like the pie man to be the supply and, uh, yeah. and so then you send them on to the charity that so wants we'll, them we'll send that then send the food on to the charities and and you know headline terms um three quarters of a million people a week are being fed through ten thousand frontline charity and community groups uh, across the four nations of the uk and um but the really big number is a very small one which is that's only six percent yeah and so what else could we be doing we could be doing what the rest of europe and north america does which is operating at a much much bigger scale so our ambition and what gets me out of bed every morning and the team at fair share and all the volunteers is 
we want to take that 6% to 25%, uh, and we want to grow uh, phenomenally to be able to supply all of the charities in the United Kingdom with all of them. And how can you do that? What what needs to happen? What does government need to do or what does business need to do to make that happen? The food industry needs to recognise that when it has a problem, i.e. we've got two pallets of uh, of product sitting over there that's yeah. perhaps got a slightly shorter date, still have a plenty, yeah. of, plenty of life left on it, um, that they don't just shove it into a corner and, and only deal with it when it's about to cost them money, um, but they put a system and they process in and place. And some of them do and some of them don't. Some of them do, which is why, which is why we. That's the six percent. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, and, and but, that's, but a lot of them don't. I mean, yeah. do you want to? I mean, do they? I don't. We've talked about this before, and I'm far from an expert here. But my understanding is that they're um, not properly incentivized the way they are in the U.S. and in other countries mm-hmm. um, from a tax perspective, um, specifically. Um, my belief is that in the U.S., um, you know, donating food is um, a tax write-off in terms of the cost of goods that donated. So there's some incentive there. Is that is that yeah, correct? So we've got this thing called the Jeffocracy, which you'd probably know about. Yeah. I, I felt from the moment you walked in the room, frankly, that you, I don't know what Jeff thinks, but you kind of, you should be the kind of ministers for food. Yeah, this, this is uh, what I've been thinking. Uh, um, and um, uh, you always have to be careful with him because, you know, he says he's a benign dictator, but you never quite know, you know, what side of bed he got out of in the morning. <laughs> uh, um, but let's say he made you both the ministers of food um, and you've got, total free hand what 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 would you do right so first first of all i i i would put some punitive pressures onto the food industry to say uh wasting food whilst there are people who are hungry in the uk is just not acceptable. you're not allowed to do it in france you have to place a fine is that right so well let's come to come, right. come, okay. come, come, come sure, to france sure. in just sure, sure. a come, sure. second because sure. it's really helpful sure. having just 26 miles across the english channel yeah. um a really really good example yeah. Because the thing that's really different in France is that if you are a French food business, it will cost you no more to dispose of food by giving it to the fair share equivalent than it would any other form of disposal. I'm not going to make money on the fact that I've got surplus food, but but it won't cost me more. So how does it how does it cost companies over here to to give food to you? Well, ironically, partly because of uh, a really, really magical government intervention that has the inevitable law of the unforeseen consequences, which is anaerobic digestion. Now, the UK is one of the top five anaerobic digestion countries in the world. And I have to say, as a Brit, I'm incredibly proud that we are up there in turning waste food into energy. However, that's meant to be our food caddies and the bins in all of our houses. But because it isn't, because the contracts with the local authorities are run for 40-odd years or so, and, uh, and, and, and only a little bit of that food is going into anaerobic digestion, that's these big, you know, these big sort of soup-making machines that produces a gas, and that gas ter- is turned into energy, and that feeds into the national grid. Which need to run at a minimum capacity to be efficient. Yeah, it's like coming from the supermarket. Um, so... Or, in, in theory, all of that really should be coming from uh, yeah, uh, from, from consumer waste. Um, and so, actually, our biggest competitor, FairShare's biggest competitor, is the anaerobic digestion industry, which has all sorts of tax breaks. I see. And so, we're saying to the government, yeah. or what we like, mm. we would like the government to do, say, we believe in order to get like France um, and get to 100,000 tonnes of food being redistributed each year, 
um, and I'll tell you what the value to the to to society is of that in a second. If we could get to a hundred thousand tons of food redistributed each year, it would only cost fifteen million pounds in terms of uh, equalizing subsidies for the food industry. So just to be clear, that's not the charity sector saying we need fifteen million pounds. That's saying small food businesses that can't afford uh, to keep that food in date um, and to transport it to us need a subsidy to be able to do that. Right. that As opposed to not sending it to anaerobic digestion. Correct. Right. Because obviously, if, to send it to anaerobic right, digestion, you can just put it into a bucket. I see. You don't need to look after it. I see. And the AD industry... Through they don't get money breaks. for that, or they do? Well, some of, it depends, right. some of them will do. Okay. Yeah, some okay of them so you need to level the playing field one way or another. That's the phrase we constantly use, yeah. level playing field. Uh, but the value, if we got to that, we had that same tax break that, or the same um, incentive that, that, that exists in France. The value of that to uh, frontline charities in the UK would be between 250 and 300 million pounds a year. Right. So it could make a big difference. We should bring Sasha in yeah, to absolutely. say what, what else do you think we should be doing? Um, so Olio is a free um, platform, mobile and desktop app. Um, Basically, it connects neighbors with each other so that they can share food. And it also connects volunteers who collect unsold food from local businesses that isn't being collected by the charitable sector um, with their neighbors. Um, so we have about 600,000 people who've signed up to our food sharing revolution. and um, In three years. Yeah, in just under three years. Um, so we're growing really quickly. I'm very proud of our traction. It's a drop in the ocean in terms of impact of, compared to um, what Fair Share has accomplished so far. Um, but as we discussed earlier, you know, 50% of food waste does take place yeah. at home. So it's just broken up into millions and millions and millions of little households. Um, so if I'm an individual and I've, um, I have a glut for my allotment, we're seeing a lot of courgettes and marrows and things right now, um, or I've overcated for a party or I'm going on holiday, um, anytime I've got surplus food, I can take a picture, upload it to the app, and it'll instantly alert people nearby foods available and your neighbor pops around and picks it up. Um, so it's a really, it takes a number of boxes. It stops good food from going to waste. It connects people who live in communities, especially in places like London. A lot of times we don't know our neighbors and there's that sort of sense of, um, urban isolation. And, and uh, what proportion of the people who are receiving the food are below the poverty line? Significant proportion. So up, up to half of the people who are requesting food, um, are living in households below the poverty line. Um, and that's really important because it means that food is often going to those people who need it the most. Um, but we are really, um, there's also people who aren't necessarily um, living on a tight food budget, but who care about um, the environment or want to connect with their community. And we are very, very careful to not try and make Oleo a situation where the haves are giving to the have-nots um, for a variety of reasons. One, um, the kind of food that's on Oleo is often very short shelf life. So, you know, needs to be eaten today. Um, and the reality is there's not always conveniently a very hungry or needy person in walking distance um, who's able to come and collect that food. So if we want to reduce food waste as much as possible, which is our objective um, because of the environmental tragic nature of food waste, um, then we need to pr make it so that everyone can participate. Um, so we don't discriminate between who collects or who adds. Of course. It's for everyone. It's just what a modern, sustainable individual would do. It's a delight 
and I'm incredibly proud of the number of people who um, have written to us to let us know that you know they wouldn't have been able to feed their family that night if they hadn't collected certain um, bits of food on oleo, etc. One of the so things so you're working at the other the sort of fifty mm. other fifty percent. We are working at the other fifty percent. Like our grand vision is that um you know in five ten years time we have a billion people signed up to oleo all around the world. Um you know people hate wasting food. Our species did not evolve to throw away good food. And the joy of sharing food is really just something that's profoundly human. Um, and this is evidenced by the fact that we've seen food sharing successfully take place in 32 countries so far. And these are small micro communities of people who um, want to connect to share food. Um, and this is all done through a grassroots volunteer program we have. Um, which is so far we've seen over twenty thousand people sign up. So we definitely are on to something Mega that's numbers. pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, what we have to do is change consumer behavior, and we have to get people to recognize, you know, the day before the salad turns into a pile of mush, which yeah. is not edible at that point, to do the mental math to say, actually, I'm going out tomorrow night. Yeah, I bought the salad on Sunday when I had really good intentions of being healthy all week, but I'm not going to eat it in time. It's still perfectly edible. So pop it on the app, um, 50% of all food listings globally are requested in under an hour. It's hard to imagine. It's hard if you come, especially from a home that's got a lot of food, um, just how many people are need or want. And what proportion of the food that's uploaded onto your site gets taken up? Between 70 and 95%, depending wow. on the that's location. That's incredible. Wow. It's an incredibly effective marketplace. Wow. And as we like to say, it's you cannot underestimate how many people want free food. So what would I do? Um I would make putting oleo on your smartphone mandatory um, for all the mobile carriers. Um, I would um, work with all the local authorities and make sure that it's included, that all the residents know about it. Um, I would address best before dates. Just this morning, I was looking at the European Commission's website. They have a, re- a recent report out that says that 10% of the 88 million tons of food that is wasted each year in the EU um, is due to confusion about best before dates. So can we talk a little bit yeah, about that? Because I, do I don't, that. I mean, is, is it more the important? The sell by and best before. Yeah, and, and also and use uh, by. if you use were to by. give somebody. Sell by's gone. Yeah, sell by's, sell by's gone. gone. Use by, sorry. So, so if yeah. you were to give somebody food outside of the use by dates, are you liable if they get salmonella or? You cannot give someone food from as a business um, when it's not safe to eat, and food that's passed as used by date is deemed not safe to eat. But that's not necessarily the case, though. It- that's with best before, which is an indicator of quality, not safety. And you can give or donate food and sell food past the best before, and it would be perfectly edible depending on the product for months, if not years. So best before is before used by, correct? Yes, I just get to, uh, I'm now really confused. Yeah. Okay. I just find right. these dates very scary. Yeah. Okay, well, if, we, if we've yeah. got two highly articulate, intelligent guys like, wow. uh, struggling, <laughs> str- yeah. struggling, on, struggling on this issue, then, then yeah. that, that actually that, that, that shows that actually more needs to be done in this space, and we, and we all yeah. recognise that. Used by is a safety issue. So if you eat something after the used by date, there is a chance that you are going to fall ill. So things like shellfish and eggs, yeah. et cetera, have used by dates on them. Best before is an advisory date right? that is uh, meant to be telling you that you're going to have the optimal experience of yeah. that product if you eat it before that date. But your Rice Krispies are not going to poison you, um, you know, Correct. after and, the best and, before And indeed, date. what many people don't realise is that it is perfectly legal, it, it would be perfectly legal for a shop to sell those mm-hmm. Rice Krispies 
after their best before date because it it is only advisory but are they set by regulation when the best before and the use by dates are set so it's not a problem about the when the dates are it's a problem about the way the dates are interpreted right. so the, the regulations stipulate what foods have to have a use by date and what mm-hmm. foods right. don't it is up to uh the, i suppose the brand police in each of those products to establish what should be Right, the best before date. So, it's best before date actually unhelpful because it just confuses people. I'm trying to think of a product off the top of my head here, but you've got you you know you've got a, a range of products in front of you. Twix, and some of it. <laughs> well, no, because that was that's just basically sugar, and it lasts forever. Oh, right, um, but 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 you and some of there it. There are other chocolate bars available. <laughs> Thank you goodness. This podcast yeah. is not sponsored by Twix. Exactly, the crunchy chocolate melted in the middle. You know, if you've got two products. Uh, and one is much older than the other, you want to be able to have a way of telling that. Now, thank goodness, when it comes to um, fruit and veg, we can tell with our eyes, mostly. Um, but, you know, if you've got two um, two loaves of bread in a, in a you know, in, yeah. in, you know yeah. high mass manufacturer in a, in, a, in, a, in a bag, you want to know that, Actually, okay, well, how, that's going to last you. So more it's, than a, it's a bit of a, a day mess. What, how do we sort this out? What do we do? We've, we've but you could do you, the maths from the use before date, though. Use by date. Well, hang on a sec. We, we, but it doesn't have a use by date because stale bread. Salmonella. You could put the manufacture date on it and then let people deduct what is for them the optimal. Well, listen, you've got the job. You're ministers of food. Come on, <laughs> okay. ministers. You've been called in by Jeff. He's got that right, well, Sky TV. Uh, what, what, well, what? my solution is, 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 is to go back to my boss, Jeff, and, yeah. and say, right, well, you need to sort out the, the, uh, the, the Ministry of Education and make sure that every kid understands yeah. food and is taught to cook. Yeah. Um, and then they'll understand uh, best before and use by date. So basically dial down the people's paranoia about best before yeah while used by is probably sensible not to get poisoned yeah, yeah. I, yes. I, I personally it, it, don't see a solution tesco but... just a couple months ago removed best before dates from 70 of their products including wow. lemons and potatoes wow so you this is just common yeah. sense if you are familiar with the kitchen and cooking yeah. if you're not familiar with how to cook and everything you buy for whatever reason is prepared and you're not familiar with raw ingredients then you can't use common sense to make that differentiation and you'll make you may make a conservative choice to throw away something when it's perfectly edible for days or weeks so i completely agree with lindsay that there's um, a real lack of um just home economics awareness right. um that can okay. be reinstituted every every kid should leave school being able to cook five main meals yeah and they can, be, they can be different ones for, 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 yeah. their, for their own cultural background, but five established main meals. What, what else do we need to do? I mean, you've got a pretty good agenda, but anything else that you would make a big difference here? There is some debate and discussion because, you know, you mentioned France earlier on yeah. and, mm. and, and lots of people go about, yeah, but do we need what they have in France? Which the, Fren- the French introduced a law that said if you are a food business, you're a retailer, yeah. you're a shop, over, uh, and you've got more than I think it's five outlets. Yeah. Um, then you need to have a policy in place. If a charity comes along and says, "Can we have your leftovers?" and uh, that you've got a system to be able to give them that, and um, uh, and I think that's quite that's quite a, a, a useful and helpful system. Um, the French, our French equivalent, our sister organisation in France, actually tell us that well, that's all already in place. Mm. Um, uh, there's another issue, which is, um, 
if you go into central London at the end of the day, you will see bags of food, yeah. sandwiches and salads uh, tied up, and they are sat on the same pavement mm-hmm. that a homeless person is sat on. Yeah, no. And there's something fundamentally wrong with our society when we've got a hungry person sitting on the same pavement as food. Now, that's the only way that that food, that business has to dispose of, other than give it away, which is obviously what we would prefer them to do. Um, although a life of just purely eating sandwiches isn't really not good for your health. Um, I can vouch for that. <laughs> other foods are available. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so what quite a few of those businesses do is pour bleach and dyes yeah. into the, to, to stop. Or just open them up. And they're not, I mean, basically, but, but what is going to force them to do something about this? Because, you know, goodwill is obviously not quite, it's done, it worked with a lot, I mean, lot of people. I mean, I don't think that you get the same objection up the supply chain when you're speaking with more sophisticated organizations in the food industry. Um, but we have about 1,500 trained volunteers who we call food waste heroes who collect unsold food from local businesses. Um, that's usually um, small quantities of same day um, yeah. delis, um, sandwiches, salads, that type of food. Who need to know what to do with it. Well, they take the food home, they add it to the app, they're all trained, et cetera, yeah. and their neighbors come around and pick it up. But, but it sounds like Lindsay's talking about the big manufacturers. Well, I'm, but I'm saying, but no, but it's the little ones. Shops. They're all, yeah, they're, they're individual, all individual shops. shops. And so we go to those and we say, hey, this volunteer is going to pick up the, we, we have volunteers who can collect this food for free, although we do have a paid model, but let's not go there, yeah. for free, um, and make sure that it's eaten by members of the local community. And our big, one of our biggest objections we get is they say, um, they talk about liability. And they just don't right. understand the idea that, um, you know, if it's given to a trained volunteer, then the volunteer assumes liability for that food. And in the USA, there's a law that exempts anybody from giving away food from liability if the recipient gets sick. There is. You don't see, we don't need that necessarily. I certainly think that it's worth exploring and that in countries where they have that, um, small especially small businesses who are confused by yeah. the legal system are more inclined to donate their unsold food. Um we also work with, um, you know, Sainsbury's and Pratt and some larger um, organizations who understand that, and that's not a barrier to them for donating. But the independently owned and managed store is all they hear is headlines, but you're right. going to get sued, you're going to get sued. And it puts a lot of fear into people um, who may or may otherwise donate the food. So I do think that that would be an important. So that's called a good Samaritan law in the States and, and, and you know, in the if, if that's going to work for persuading the high street to change its behavior, then we're all in favor of it. What we're w- worried about is a big debate within the food industry about introducing the Good Samaritan law and it then not being introduced. Um, you know, last 20 years, we've, most governments have been really, really clear about wanting to minimize bureaucracy for business. Um, so if there's a big debate about it and it then doesn't happen, our worry is it actually then sets right, us even further back mm. because people go, hang on, I can't give you this because yeah. the Good Samaritan law wasn't passed. Yeah, and it was, it has been introduced before here in the UK and it hasn't passed. So it right. is okay. not very clear cut. What's your reason to be cheerful? I think Olio is yeah. a f- most amazing success. Thank uh, you. Um, we uh, This is literally the tip of the iceberg. Um we have people downloading the app all over the world. And um, it's one of those things where the more people who join, the better it becomes for everyone. Um, and 
we we everyone thinks that throwing away perfectly good food when it could be eaten is senseless, right? No, there's it's just part of who we are as humans. Um, what they forget is that we can do something about it, and it's not that hard. Um, Oleo just needs to be slightly more fun than putting something in the bin, and it really is. You put something on the app, a neighbor comes by, um, and it's we're building connections, real connections in the community. So I think at the most basic level, I would encourage people to download the app, tell ten friends, and have a cupboard clear out, and that's the only way to get started. Okay, so Lizzie? so really practical. Yeah. And, you know, the st- there are things people can yeah. do. You can yeah. sign up and use Olio. Our twenty-one warehouses across the UK, uh, although we have around about a thousand regular volunteers, we need many, many more. Mm. There is some f- really practical stuff that people can do, and um, and if you if you are miles away, uh, then you can actually lend your voice to us, and we can persuade the government to. Uh, to change things. Lindsay Boswell from Fair Share and Sasha Celestial One from Olio. Thank you so much. That was crunchy. Well, the, the, here's the thing. The, the numbers are horrendous. They much worse than I thought. Actually. ashamed of yourself. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I just thought, as often is the case on the podcast, like, it was just great to speak to inspiring people. Definitely. With ideas about how to fix it. And I, I would really encourage people to get involved with Fair Share, get involved with... Olio or other organizations that are doing similar things because um you know either where citizens can make a difference i also think you know it makes me want to find out more about some of the local shops around me just you know what are they actually up to and you know what are they doing and i think there should be a way of knowing who are the good ones who aren't doing the right things i think this is where an area where consumer pressure could make a big difference Yeah, yeah exactly You're listening to Reasons to be Cheerful with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Well, we would love to hear from you if you want to send us an email. We've got that new term feeling. Definitely. And we're thinking about... Vim the, and vigour. We, we have got vim and vigour, yeah. and we're, we're thinking about the different uh, subjects we want to be talking about throughout the autumn, and if you've got ideas for episodes, we've had some good ones in Definitely. over the summer, but we'd love more. We'd also like your thoughts on food waste um, and... and on this, you know, if you ever want to take these ideas uh, that we talk about on the podcast and and see if you can get some movement on them in real life, talking to local businesses, for example, on on food waste and tell us the stories of how you've been able to put these ideas into action, Definitely. we would love to hear hear from you. It is reasons at cheerfulpodcast.com. 
have an email here from Rachel Finn, who says, I've long since learned that I shouldn't expect the topic of your podcast to bear any relation to how much I enjoy it. I think we feel the same way. Yeah, definitely. And uh, today, that was never more true. Today's guests were spectacular, inspiring, moving, and despite the apparent enormity of the issue at hand, optimistic. This is Karen McCluskey and Louisa Omerland. I... I Probably my favourite episode. Astonishing episode. Yeah, yeah. I think the best live yeah. show we've ever done. Yeah. Um, Rachel continues, I just ended up sitting in my car in the office car park, catching my breath and waiting for the lump in my throat to go. I made it safely into the office now, but decided to start the week with a donation to Helena's Hospice Foundation and an email oh, to you great. and the team. Essential listening. Well, that's great. We've also had one from Andrew Turner, and it's entitled The Super Sewer. Uh, this will, people might remember, it was my reason to be cheerful from the episode we did at the Lunar Festival. Uh, Ed, I'm glad you're bringing your children up to appreciate the important work done by our civil engineers in building infrastructure for the future. It was more my in-laws, but I'll take the credit. You'll be glad to hear that at least one of your loyal podcast listeners is helping to build the Thames Tideway Tunnel, aka the Super Sewer. Three weeks ago, I and a number of colleagues pumped 3,350 cubic metres, approximately 8,000 tonnes of concrete, 50 metres down to the bottom of one of the Thames Tideway construction shafts. I've attached a site report for your information and that of your sons. I have many other site reports describing my company's concrete pumping exploits they're available on request i'm also i'm kind of wondering about a visit to the super sewer actually firstly i mean your boys are going to be over the moon at seeing that site report definitely they're so fascinated no i know i mean look, honestly the the super sewer is um you know it's it's got life of its own are you suggesting we do a live show down the super Paul? sewer? Hey, now there, you know, you might be talking. <laughs> uh, and this comes from uh, Tom Reed Cutting, who says, Dear Cheerful Podcast, I am just writing uh, to uh, how one should conduct themselves around people they find inspiring without making those people feel uncomfortable. For example, the other day I was listening to Reasons to Be Cheerful and then happened to walk past Ed and his family. At first, though, I thought Ed was simply someone with a passing resemblance uh, to the real deal. So this brought my father's attention where otherwise uh, wouldn't have, and uh, it definitely wasn't subtle. I'm really, really sorry if people doing things like that makes you uncomfortable. Firstly, I think you're pretty good with that. If you notice people kind of looking at you, 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 you're the first to say, hey, would you like a selfie with I'll, me? I'll tell, you a, I'll tell you a story about oh, that in a sec. Googie, carry on to the end of his email. And all right. I'll tell he says, so the question is, uh, would you like it if people come up to you and say that they find you inspiring? Definitely. Or, or would you rather we didn't so you can mind no. your own business? Uh, anyway, now that I'm able to do so, uh, thank you for being so inspiring. Yeah, there we go. Uh, no, it, it's funny you should say this because I had this experience going on holiday. This guy in the um, queue in the in the queue at the airport was um, took a photo of me just sort of from you know we were still snaking around the queue and he took a photo of me a sort of like he thought he was being surreptitious to a photo and i and i you know i've said to you before i really like it when people come up to me and say can i have a photo i don't love the sort of sneaky, sneaky photo one, yeah so i thought i had sort of brainwave which i just took a photo of him uh, <laughs> and his and his girlfriend was there just absolutely sort of is hilarious so i started taking a photo of him and he looked just like right why is it about taking a photo of me anyway we then he then came up to me and we had a photo we had a nice chat um but i thought it was quite that's it's a, a good technique innovative to neutralize tactic. it yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah exactly yeah send us your ideas or suggest a guest for a future episode email reasons at cheerfulpodcast.com find us on facebook or tweet at cheerfulpodcast and here to pitch some ideas, which could be potential reasons to be cheerful. Comedian Phil Wang, hello. 
Hi guys, lovely to be here. Hi. It's lovely having you here, but there's there's already a bit of an atmosphere uh, due to your wardrobe choice. It's, it's Ed, Ed is sitting there with his arms folded. That's You're not true. happy, are you? Well, I'd sort of let him off because he's wearing a New York Yankees shirt, but he's, he's, a, he's a new fan. So, you know, and I'm a big Boston Red Sox fan. They have this big rivalry. So. Red Ed. Yeah, Strikes exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but but I think it's okay because you, you you're like a recent. I'm a recent convert. How, do, how did you become a convert? I'll be honest, it's a sartorial decision above anything else. I just like the tops. I mean, um, it is a nice top. It's I hate a lovely to say top, it. nice thin lines. Their star pitchers Japanese. I think that's wicked. Yeah. Tanaka, but Tanaka, he's very good. Um, also, it just was the city that I was in. Yeah, but you're eight and a half games behind the Red Sox, so. Oh, great. Well, I'm very happy anyway, for you yeah, as, no. a, as a lifelong Yankees fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. How, how long do you think you need to be a fan for before you can start getting into the banter and the rivalry? Well, um, turns out a month. Yeah, uh, about a <laughs> Definitely. month. Definitely. Phil, you've brought a bunch of ideas in. Do you, want, do you want to start rattling through them? Oh, I'd love to. The first is, I think, a pretty common one is to do with pedestrians. Um, and essentially, that groups of three or more people on a pavement should have to form a single line because we just don't have the space. And extending this, I think we should have a highway code for pedestrians. You're asking three people together, three pals walking down the street yeah. to, to go in single file. You're yeah. removing the social aspect. Can you, could you not get them in at some kind of triangle formation? Would that be acceptable? A triangle formation. So you, you'd have two people of- chatting and one person goes ahead. They're, they're the leader, if the you vanguard. like. The vanguard, exactly. But they're left, they're left somewhat out of the conversation, aren't they? But maybe That's you could rotate it every 10 minutes. Okay, so, so, so a spinning is- triangle of people. <laughs> yes. That sounds good, yeah. And maybe for people who need to check their phones, it's a lay-by system. So from time yeah. to time, a hard shoulder. A hard shoulder yes. <laughs> that you can creep yes. into and stop. Right, okay, we like that. We yeah, like that. Good. Highway code for pedestrians. Yeah. Bigotry. Now, I think, you know, as we're all aware, we live in fractious times. Um, and I think instead of uh, vilifying people who hold ignorant views, they merely, they should have to pay for those views in a more uh, bespoke manner. So, so essentially, you're allowed to be bigoted or ignorant about things, but you're not allowed to enjoy the fruits of the uh, groups or beliefs that I you have rejected. I love this idea. Yeah. So, for example, if you're a creationist, you're not allowed fossil fuels. Or if you're a homophobe, you know, uh, because of Alan Turing's um, essential um, contributions to computing, yeah. you're not allowed computers um, or Turing machines. Uh, and if you're a flat earther, you're not allowed uh, the n- a normal day cycle. So you oh, can't, this is great. You if can't have clocks. If you're a racist, you're not allowed to enjoy any kind of music that is influenced. I guess. Hmm. Yes, that also works. But it has to work always in all directions. And maybe I should You're really thinking it. this through, Phil. I have. He's stroking his chin. Phil is, Phil is, we've established that Phil is an engineer by background, mm-hmm. which makes you a very clear on logic, correct? Yes, but emotionally cold. Right, <laughs> and so, so I need, I need to be tempered by you, humanity. No, no, no. But I think I like this idea. Yeah, it's like you know, sort of, it's a sort of practice what you preach. Yeah, you? yes. I think uh, what I'm calling for is, um, is a, a logical and ideological consistency. That's all I'm asking for. I think a bit of consistency, a bit of consistency. Uh, next up, a black currant should be the default lemsip flavor. Oh, this is. A few mean, would, steps you, down. would you even still call it lemsip if black currant was the default flavor? I think that would have to be a concession made to the lemsip 
traditionalists, and I'm happy to make that. What is right. the default at the moment? Lemon. Yeah. Lemon, yeah. But blackcurrant's a superior flavor, and people right. don't like to talk about it. Yeah. It's what blackcurrant is a superior time. flavor. Because I, I think I Mexican. prefer blackcurrant. Actually. I prefer blackcurrant, but I will sometimes have the lemon flavor because I think it's, you know. It be too much, the blackcurrant, though. But well, the lemon's like refreshing. You don't, and you have lemon before you go to bed. You don't want a zippy taste in your mouth just before you go to bed. <laughs> yeah. You want something soothing and yeah, dark maybe and that's rich. True. Are you sure it's not the difference? Lemon though? is lemon, definitely lemon sip. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The next piece of uh, my manifesto is to do with uh, whitewashing. You know, the, the problem of whitewashing. What, um, what, would, what do you want to do about this? I think a tit for tat mm. system. So. For every film in which a traditionally non-white character is played by a white actor, there should be a uh, reciprocal film in which a traditionally white character is played by a non-white actor. Okay. So, for example, if Matt Damon is in uh, The Great Wall, I get to be Marie Antoinette. <laughs> you know, I think just... You would be a very good Marie Antoinette because of that cold, emotionless thing. <laughs> and how yeah? much cake I eat. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, yes. And my big I wigs. think you deliver the let them eat cake line, <laughs> coldly and emotionally. With my mouth full of cake. Yeah, so yeah. You might not even be able to hear it. Eventually, this just leads to uh, a raceless world, right? If if we can't, can't play, can all play each other, why not? This next one, I've come to realize, actually already is in... Uh, effect but i'll say it anyway so at, at restaurants you should be able to try a bit of your food before committing to it like you can with wine it's not this effect. is an effect it is because well if you don't like a dish you can send it back not really though the other day i had a a, a, a green vegetable curry that was so salty it was like eating the sea <laughs> but i didn't want to send it back because i thought well maybe the chef knows more than i do i mean right, this, this is more than like an edible person yeah as opposed to borderline millennial, uh, um, borderline inedible for the borderline millennial. Uh, but that's because you're such a nice person. Though. Yeah, but you don't but, want to sort of offend so somebody. You would be happy to to order a dish and then say, nah, "Not to my taste, girl. I'll have something else, please." Strike it off the bill. It this takes is what you're quite saying. a lot of chutzpah to do it that, does. doesn't it? Really, I, I I sent my first bottle of wine back in New York recently. How did that feel? Did well, you feel like a king? Was it, it at was, Yankee Stadium? Yeah, yeah. They, they're really yeah. they're trying to get classy. Yeah. Uh, it was at a classy-ish restaurant. Classy-ish. Classy-ish. Yeah. I guess you call it classy. Yeah. Um, and the wine we got was, I just thought it was very sour. What what makes it muddy is that I, I did the test and I said, yeah, that's fine. And the waitress left. And then after a few more tastes of this wine, I thought, this is actually, it doesn't taste good. So I, I asked her back and I said, um, I think this is corked. And she looked quite shocked and so she so she went oh i'll just get our sommelier and so i felt like i was being sent to the principal's office <laughs> and, and so she took the bottle over to him he gave it a whiff he didn't seem convinced and he tried a bit and he came over and he he said exactly what i was fearing he'd say he said uh, this is not correct and um but at this point it's fight a flight in it and i chose a fight and i said it's very acrid i just tried to use it oh good choice of words yeah, it's, choice. A bit, it's a bit acrid um and what and, did he say he punched he, you on the nose. He he bottled me <laughs> with the <laughs> bottle that I sent back. I think that's tradition. Uh, eventually, he said, uh, you can change it. If I get another bottle, it tastes exactly the same. So, fine, I'll change it. And I got another bottle, which was also a bit sour. <laughs> but I th- but not as well, bad. Honor was, your honour was saved. My honour was saved. Uh, I think he looked at the, our table like we were all trash for the rest of the evening. But um, but my honour to myself yeah. was saved. I don't think I would like pull that off. I think there's only. I think technically you can only send a bottle of wine back if it is genuinely corked, or if the the date on the label doesn't match the date on the cork. 
Oh, I think that's that. Those are the rules. Wow! Mm. And I say this as somebody who's been sober for eighteen years. Yeah, so it's impressive. Be, and, and and when I was drinking, I wasn't really worried about the quality of the wine. Well, as obviously haven't been thinking about it since. No, no. <laughs> but food, but yeah, but I'm not sure about sending about the. Food. I think sending about the food is even a higher bar, really. Yeah. Really, I send mm. I send stuff back all the time. You send food back. All I've sent dishes I finished back. <laughs> Because with hindsight, <laughs> successfully, I, I, I went through a phase of actually pushing my pushing my luck too much, and uh, but um, I'm I'm out of that. Okay, no, it's impressive. Now. Yeah, summer should be phased out. I've had enough of summer. I don't like summer at all. I think it's too you don't hot. Like the hot weather. I grew up in, in uh, on yeah, the equator, climate. so I've got I've I've had all the heat I need from my life. Don't you love the long days, though? I think that is... I like so... long nights. I don't mm. like the early mornings. Right. I don't like how early the sun comes out. I like the temperature in the evening. But I don't like how chatty everyone is. No. And I don't like everyone taking their clothes off. There we go. I'm, I'm with Phil on this. I don't like people playing games in the park. Yeah. I, can't, I like winter where everyone shuts up. Yeah. Covers really? them up. Yes. And stays inside. Yeah, and and you, you have people, yeah people this? dress like a child in the summer, and it's fine. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, I think it's, yeah. it's like the purge or something. We're all allowed to be assholes for a, <laughs> yeah. a whole season. Well, never do anything. People are more friendly, more positive, more invasive. Finally, I've found an ally on this. Every week on the yeah, podcast, Ed and the guests talk about how great it would be if everybody talked to each other on public transport. Whereas I am a strong advocate of not mm. making eye contact with anybody. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I tell you, the wangocracy and the Jeffocracy may be quite similar. Yes. Actually. Yeah, we could form a coalition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, phasing out summer, you've got my vote. I suspect you Thank haven't you. got Ed's. No. Thank you. Um, oh, this is actually this. This one is quite relevant to what we've been talking about. You should. You're. You. You may only refer to your football team in the plural first person, i.e., we, ours, us. If you have at some point played for the club, <laughs> or at least had some sort of frontline job at the, at the I, I'm sympathetic to this. Okay, I, I sort of agree with this. We. We won two nil. Yeah, I don't. Or we won the World Series in my case. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of problematic. Is the tribalism in the most lazy fashion? But people need things to associate with. Well, associates in the 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 club that I liked <laughs> uh, performed well. Yeah, like I like I mean, God. You know, don't, don't, don't hold back. You know, what I mean, don't I get li- too excited. I like the Beatles. I liked it last year when they reissued Sergeant Pepper's with all this extra stuff. But I didn't say, "Oh, great, we've released a new album." <laughs> that's a good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Point. That's a good parallel to draw. But um, you would say we about a country, would you? No, but you, would you? But, but you regularly take part in what makes that country that country. I would not say you take part. Aside we from got your to the fight. World Cup semi-finals. Would you say that? Yes, I would. You would say I that. I would say uh, that. Uh, logical flaw. I I would argue that a citizen has uh, has a more legitimate claim to their country and therefore the success of their national team than they would to a Barnsley then. Okay, then you're allowed to oh, say so you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barnsley, right? Okay. This is what if... this course is for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what the democratic process is. I'm not sure what I think about it. I think sometimes it kind of it slightly grates on me, but sometimes I sort of think, well, I'm probably responsible for it myself as well. I say we about the Red Sox, certainly. And you had one last one. Last for one, and this is a bit more serious. I think British schools should teach children about the British Empire. Definitely. And the classes should all be in costume. Mm. Can you, can you talk a bit more about the last part for us? <laughs> well, because you've got to give kids a flavour for their history, right? Right. And to show that the British Empire wasn't all bad, you get to kick up a little khaki. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but that's uh, yeah, I stand by that. <laughs> I think uh, you went to school in Malaysia, right? And did, Brunei. Did you learn about the British Empire? Uh, n- glancing. Yeah, really glancing. We learned about the. We l- we'd learn more about the Dutch Empire than the British Empire. Well, I didn't learn about the British Empire. We've, We've talked about this before. before. Like yeah. the, the, the only impression from school I ever yeah. got about the British Empire was, oh, it's great. We gave railways to all these countries. I didn't even get that impression, to be honest. I mean, I think it's a problem. I think it is a problem. I don't think that um, leaving it out of syllabus, the syllabi, syllabuses, contributes to a more positive or more negative view on the empire. No, it, just, think... it just contributes to a less informed one. No, I completely yeah. agree. There's certain attractions about living in the Wangocracy. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some parts of it that are, I think I'd have to sort of flee the country, but there are parts of it oh, that yeah. I quite quite like. Actually. It's pretty high taxes as well. Really? Really high taxes, okay. yeah. Okay, that's good. I'm in favour of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Phil, can you, can you tell us about where people can find more Wang? What are you up to at the minute? I'm in the current series of Taskmaster on Dave. I'm not at liberty to reveal okay. how well I did. Bless your say. I didn't do as well as I'd hoped. (laughs) 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 Or as intelligently as one might expect from an engineer. So... Um, and we can also watch your next Netflix. Yes, please. I'm on a series of mini comedy specials called The Comedy Lineup on Netflix. But if you search Phil Wang, it'll come up. Reasons to be Cheerful, a podcast about ideas with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd. Good episode. Good to be back in the saddle. It really is. I, I loved Phil there. That was yeah. uh, he was uh, great to spend some time with him. And I found this week's topic really interesting. Yeah. And I'm going to download Olio definitely onto my phone. I've got some tomato puree that I could do with. Uh, uh, well, I don't think I'm going to use it up before it goes out of date. So. Uh, and most of all, obviously, it's good to be back with me. Well, there, there is that <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. meant to put that first. Yeah, didn't you? Of course. <laughs> I have missed you. I've missed you too. Uh, Let's thank our guests, uh, Lindsay Boswell and Sasha Celestial One. And the marvellous Phil Wang. Uh, Emma Caution produces our podcast with backup and research from Alex Feisbryce and Lindsay Todd. Gail Lofthouse is our announcer. James Deacon made the eye dents. Uh, Ed Seed composed the music and the art. Emily Power. Power. Well, I think as far as first days back at school go, this this wasn't a bad one. Yep. He's been Jeff Lloyd. He's been Ed Miliband. And these have been reasons to be cheerful. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.